And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. The periodic Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. But only periodic by virtue of the lockout, which we'll talk about. Uh, I'm Brett Taylor. I'm here with Zahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. And, uh, you know, as the intro notes, we have not uh, spoken with you in quite some time. Not because we don't love each and every one of you and each other, but because there hasn't been a whole lot to talk about. Uh, but we did want to check in, you know, the calendar has flipped, the uh, owners have actually made a proposal, it only took 43 days, recall, the lockout began because they were like, hey, we want to jumpstart some negotiations, by the way, we're going to go camp out for 43 days before saying anything, uh, but the, that process has sort of begun, we'll talk about the state of things, uh, I imagine most of you listening to this are probably already vaguely aware of where things stand, so we won't belabor it too much. And then we wanted to talk about the Athletic Cubs fan survey. Uh, Patrick and Sahadev wrote in tandem with that those survey results, and I just think it's interesting stuff to get into. And so that's kind of what we'll do now, and as uh, spring training approaches, if it does, you'll hear from us more frequently, but uh, for the time being, it's going to remain this kind of uh, as-needed cadence as our producer Michael likes to say. Uh, so, okay, first up, how you guys doing? How, how we doing? How we feeling? How are you making it through the, uh, it's not just the off season. I mean, it's like the, the very baseball-less off season. Yeah. We're, I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm surviving, you know? I, uh, I got, there's, there's plenty of Netflix and, and, and HBO Max to, to get me through this, and we got football playoffs, so... <laughs> And I have kids too, so you got to pay attention to them every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, Brett, it was great. It was great to hear from you when you came to Chicago, and just saw your you posting shots from like courtside seats at the Bulls game or whatever. Now, now to be fair, <laughs> I was at Lizzie McNeil's for like forty eight straight hours and then didn't see you. In deference to the uh, ongoing global pandemic, I, I kept the circle very small. And you just you didn't make the cut. You know, it was me. It was me and 25,000 of my closest friends at the Bulls game. Uh, that was my replacement for the Cubs convention, which would have been this past weekend, but was canceled uh, due to the pandemic. And if not that, it would have been canceled due to the, the lockout. So I had to substitute it by getting exposed to as many people as possible. But not you guys. <laughs> 
Thanks. Good to I'm know. Just, I'm, du- duly noted. Yeah, I'm taking care of you. I'm protecting you. We can't have the we can't have the whole podcast go down at the same time. I'm it's forward thinking here, guys. Uh, so, okay, let's let's just let's touch on the the lockout. Uh, Patrick's mentioning before we started recording. That was before we started recording, was it? That that Evan just wrote something at the Athletic uh, that kind of updates the state of things that you should certainly check out if you are as obsessive as I am about every little bit that we can get. I think it's worth checking in. I will spoiler alert you that it's not going to leave you feeling like, oh, sweet, they're only a week away from finishing this thing. Um, And in fact, I would recommend reading it in tandem with Ken Rosenthal just had an article uh, earlier this week that I think while while not... um, updating us from an information perspective really more setting sort of the the perspective of how the sides and particularly ownership should be approaching these negotiations but probably isn't and so um yeah setting the stage last week the owners as i said made their first core set of economic proposals in 43 days since the lockout began the proposals were soft i suppose i would characterize them it didn't really touch on some of the major issues the things that would really move the needle in talks and clearly the the intention is to allow the players to keep kind of chipping away at their own demands in reply so we'll see how aggressive the players are in response which could come as soon as late this week but in in either case we're still looking at multiple more weeks of back and forth if we're lucky to a resolution that could potentially come you know if if i'm being crazy optimistic mid to late february and then you have to have some kind of crazy abbreviated adjusted spring training with a very short second off season in front of that Um, again that's not a great scenario I, i don't think but it's probably the best case as we sit here today yeah, I I mean, I would also caution the most pessimistic people that we were we knew we were going to get to this point where all would feel lost, where we'd get to a point where it's just like, it, I mean, I I knew this was going to happen. Everybody knew that this was going to happen. If you would have predicted it, you would have said there's going to be a point where we all feel like, man, they are miles apart. I'm not sure if they're going to get anything done in the next couple months so we're going to lose all of spring training and lose part of the regular season half the regular season there are people that are you know that are losing their minds on on twitter i i don't think i don't think it's uh i don't think this is the type of thing where we're talking about losing months of the season i i hope we don't get to that point it does feel very negative and pessimistic at this moment uh so i'm trying to remind myself uh, that that I said would be here that <laughs> that is that it was going to feel this way uh, that doesn't mean that it's completely all is lost type situation but yeah it's it's getting harder to envision not losing a decent chunk of spring training uh, I I like like uh, like Brett said right there I, I think best case scenario is if we get uh, a march full of spring training that that'd be great that we we that that's kind of what I'm my optimistic scenario is having March as spring training. I 
maybe that's too optimistic. Uh, just when you read Evan's piece, it just doesn't feel like <laughs> doesn't it doesn't bring bring the warm and fuzzies. So so it's harder to see exactly what it may be. Uh, but but we'll see we'll we'll see where this goes and and how quickly they can get something done. But yeah, right now it's just a wait and see and and hope for something better. Those two pieces had kind of two different ideas. One being this appeal towards like uh, you know some sort of greater good of the game or like long term forward thinking approach to things, and then there's the reality of this is a math equation for them and they are going to push the players to the brink and see you know how fast or how much they'll cave i mean and it's just kind of uh if you're a fan um i I think you don't really care that much about the back and forth and i think the bigger thing with MLB as a whole is like they know these are problems. They know that their fan base is like aging and they know that their product is boring and that they know they have these systemic issues they have to fix. And like that's like not even a part of this uh, very narrow kind of bargaining session. And I think it is a little different with social media. I think people have a little more enlightened viewpoint towards the players and kind of what they're uh, fighting for. But in the end, I mean, if if they're going through another, like, abbreviated scramble mode spring training uh, to have another season of, like, you know, kind of four-hour games and, like, a third of baseball tanking and another half, like, kind of on the fence, it's just going to be... I don't know. It's not a great, great look for Commissioner Rob. Yeah, a couple. Uh, I'd echo all of that, and then a couple wrap-up thoughts before we move on. One being that while the player resolve this time around seems to be stronger, uh, based in large part perhaps on what happened in 2020, um, it seemed like the players found some effective ways to really not only engage fans to rally a little bit of support debatable how much that matters in these situations, but also just to coalesce around each other and and perhaps stand a little firmer when it comes time to, as Mooney said, where the owners are just trying to wait it out and see what happens. Um, The counter to that, unfortunately, for the players is that for the owners, this CBA uh, sets the stage for the ones that follow. And particularly when it comes to like expanded postseason, things that are going to then be grandfathered into future CBAs. So what matters to them, it could have decades worth of impact. And it's stacked against players who have only, you know, on average, what, two, three years to earn what they can in baseball. And for them, particularly the guys who lost a lot already in 2020, they are going to feel the pressure not to miss any game checks. And I sort of hate that for the players, but it is a reality that they are, the deck is stacked if it, if when it comes to waiting. Um, I think now, I think the owners would perhaps be wise to think about the damage to their fan base and, and to the entertainment product, like Mooney said, by not being a little more aggressive to get something done sooner. But, you know, they're, they're not my teams. So, you know, it's, it's not my money. So I, I guess I shouldn't spend other people's money. Uh, and then the last thing to note 
is uh, on that front, even if games are going to be lost and we punditry start talking about the damage, the reputational damage to the game and fans checking out and all these things, there is a little bit of a built-in recovery mechanism is that we've still got an off season to finish. And if it's packed into a one or two week period, I can tell you that's going to gather all the headlines. Like it'll be a couple days of, oh my God, they had a reschedule and the first two weeks of the season are lost. It's only going to be 150 game season. These terrible monsters. Oh wait, where's Nick Cassianos going? Like it's, it's going to <laughs> wash over a lot of this. And so um, I'm agnostic on whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it, it's, it's probably a reality. So, and yeah, those are my concluding thoughts on, on lockout talk for now. Any last bits from you guys before we switch into something a little, little lighter? No, good. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, so you guys did well. I actually have a question for you about the fan survey, the Cubs fan survey. Did you guys develop the questions for that? It was that because I mean, I I responded to it just as a I wanted to participate as a Cubs fan, but I actually wasn't sure what the mechanisms were that went into creating the the questions. Then because I saw you guys wrote up stuff in tandem with the answers, but um, yeah, it was a combo of Patrick and I uh, just coming up with questions. And and, uh, and our edi- editor uh, Lauren Commodore um, helped us shape it too. She had started the doc on that one. Cool. It was a good set. I mean, it was. I like. So for those who haven't seen it, check it out. It's at the Athletic. Go to the Cubs section, and you will see the fan survey. And I like it as a pulse check on. Now, granted, it's a. It is a certain cross section of the Cubs fan base because it's got to be people who would respond to a survey from the Athletic about uh, Cubs related questions. So there's a bit of self-selection bias there, but I like it as a temperature check on, okay, am am I out of touch on certain issues or am I sort of in line with folks? And I was heartened that for the most part, I felt like I wasn't terribly out of the mainstream of Cubs fandom of, of, excuse me, educated, thoughtful, handsome Cubs fandom. I fit right into <laughs> the mix there. And I'm curious for you guys, uh, I, I know what I'm thinking, uh, or uh, the thing that immediately struck me, but was there anything as you were going through the results that stood out that you were either surprised by or you thought fan, fans, wow, they really get this or you know anything that just that stood out as inter- particularly interesting to you? Uh, I mean, it, a few things stand out, but one... It, 
fans still don't trust ownership to to really spend money and be a powerhouse org, right? That's what this the Cubs are supposed to be in theory. Uh, there's about I, I think it was over sixty percent of respondents didn't believe that Ricketts would carry a top five payroll going forward. Now, how do they interpret that? Does that mean top five um, after, you know, this offseason is over and going forward for the next decade or whatever, or eventually get back there and stay there for, uh, you know, however many years they just were uh, there? Uh, You know, I I guess that's uh, nitpicking a bit with semantics, but Fans still don't trust. Even even after the Stroman signing, I thought maybe there'd be a little. Maybe that number would have been even uh, higher if if they didn't sign Stroman. So I I'm not shocked by that, but it is it's a little surprising to me because it's there's always and maybe it's it, maybe it's hard for fans to just accept this, but there's the difference between what they were doing. They were spending right. But what we all kind of said they needed to do during that time when they had Javi and Rizzo and Bryant was you you have this window of contention, spend a little more, go over your perceived budget because you have a team, a core that can win, that you can win with, fix those little holes that you may have thought you had fixed, but clearly you didn't or you didn't address them properly. Uh, you, you try and fix them still, right? You still go over your, you, you still spend a little bit more at that point in time because you have such uh, a nice core of talent that you really expect to win more games. Uh, really go for it during those times, and, and they didn't. But there's a difference between that and not carrying a top five payroll, which I'm pretty sure they did during that time for the most part. I'm not sure if they dipped maybe to seven or eight uh, outside of last year. They, they were a top 10, top five payroll. Uh, so so that was surprising. Uh, nothing, again, uh, none of it's too shocking. I, I, it's nice to see that fans do... Uh, like fans aren't too negative. I'm I'm a little <laughs> I was surprised by that. I thought there would be more negativity, but they you know, some of them believe in uh believe in Hoyer's plans. Uh nobody seemed too disappointed by the sell off at at uh at the deadline. Uh stuff like that. I, I thought there would be more anger and, and disappointment, but maybe that's less the athletic reader and more the average fan or the 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 person uh you know getting mad on twitter yeah i was surprised even amidst that distrust towards ownership's appetite for spending like more than 70 percent uh, of respondents still gave the ricketts family an a or a b uh since they've purchased the team and wrigley field uh same takeaway uh in terms of how they process the trade deadline. It was, you know, uh, overwhelming majority. Like, yeah, I get it. It made sense at the time. And then uh, other people say, yeah, it was definitely the right move. And it was very narrow. Um, kind of said, like, I've devastated you traded away all of my favorite players. Like, I, I thought there'd be more anger. Uh, I thought there'd be more negativity. But then uh, it was interesting reading through the, I forget how many people respond to the last question about, um, describe you know the team since the 2016 world series there was a lot of negativity there if that's what you're into and it was a lot of you know over and over uh comparisons to the 85 bears you know disappointing underwhelming underachieving even 
a lot of complimentary ones like you know that was a dream come true but i still thought there'd be more like there is this nagging sense that i think reflects the feelings of a lot of people who worked there at the time people who got world series rings that thought there'd be more in there that wasn't all right uh well, Brett had to uh, leave. Uh, hopefully everything's okay. He smelled uh, <laughs> a little suspicious in his house. Uh, hopefully nothing's on fire. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Patrick, I understand where I, I think Brett wrote a little bit about this, but just the idea that not a lot of fans were up in arms about the trade deadline, uh, I think it, it, it kind of ties into – what I was talking about, about the lack of uh, extra spending uh, during that core, like the core needed more uh, of a supplement to it. There were, I mean, we've talked about all the issues, all the different issues, whether it's contact, whether it's, uh, whether it's the issues of developing pitching, there were all sorts of little things that led to what we saw. And, and 2016 was the pinnacle, but there was, always this promise of more and and kind of also this dip that we're that we experienced in the second half last year and what's likely to be you know a year or two of of middling baseball that's that's not what was promised when when this all kind of was put together no without a doubt and i think this group made it clear in terms of what the cubs had to do that the start over had to happen, that there wasn't a whole lot of gray area as we've written a lot uh, around that trade deadline. Like, yeah, it was a lot of work for Jed's front office and there was a lot of factors to weigh on each individual deal. But in terms of like the overall direction, like they could not have made it more clear with that 11 game losing streak. And that I think most everyone uh, by the end could recognize that and realize that, you know, there needed to be kind of a reset in the clubhouse. I think players probably enjoyed having that weight off their shoulders and the chance to like, just go play baseball somewhere else after years of talking about the end. Um, thinking of Chris Bryant being asked about this like nonstop and then just going to get to a chance to go the best team in baseball and just go play. So I think we saw, you know, generally favorable, uh, if not high marks for David Ross and he gets uh, a long leash because of his ties to the organization and the way he uh, handles himself. And I think, you know, like Brett said, maybe the more than 2,000 respondents we got, maybe that's not the most uh, indicative group uh, in the universe. But they largely, you know, trust Jed or aren't totally writing him off. And they're curious to see where this thing goes because I think everyone has seen, you know, how young talent matters. Uh, the flexibility that they have going forward. It's like Theo and Jed always say, the two biggest currencies in the game. They have them now, you know, young prospects and a ton of financial flexibility. 
One other uh, question that stood out to me, and maybe, and I hopefully this is this speaks well uh, to we're communicating well with our reader, and and they're really understanding our points that we're trying to get across, but. Nobody is going all in on this 2022 season, right? The, the responses of when they make the playoffs again next, uh, it was heavily favored to words 2023 and 2024. You know, 2023 may be a little bit optimistic. Things have to go right. 2023 probably has to be uh, the year early type move, I would think. Maybe 22 turns out to be that things really click and and that happens it's not out of the realm of possibility this isn't a write-off season so to say but it isn't a you don't go into this season i i can't imagine that they're going to go hog wild in free agency they need they will add they'll continue to add uh but they're they're not going to they're not going to go into this season uh looking like a world beater or really like an obvious contender but I think this ties into a ton of prospect lists are coming out. Keith Law's prospect list will be out in about 10, 10 days to two weeks. Uh, and, and we're seeing a really high variance of Cubs prospects, anywhere from one or two prospects to four or five prospects already on these lists. And what that tells me is exactly what we've been saying, right? These these guys have high ceilings, we, but we have no clue what they're going to be just yet. There's one guy that's high. Uh, uh, that's reached AAA and Brennan Davis, top 20 prospect pretty much. But that makes sense. 23, 24, we've been saying this over and over, Patrick. We, they're not going to go, you know, maybe Correa. I'm not going to rule out Correa. I think it's a very small chance that it happens. Something weird would have to go on, especially with the with them switching agents to Boris, which is a pretty big news in, uh, when when we have not much going on in, in baseball. Uh but eventually they will spend big again and and that'll line up with these prospects if you if you see come july when all these prospects lists are updated and everyone has four or five cubs prospect lists things are going to look a lot different and feel a lot different with the cubs because that's what jed's hoping that's what that front office is hoping that they that they really nailed these trades and for starting with the darvish trade and that they've had some good drafts and nailed the trades at the deadline that they have to hope that that's the case uh right now it looks promising but they're so young and it's so far away that it's hard to know they need to really prove it but but there's a lot of talent there so so those fans seem to like i, I took that as hey they're the, this is definitely athletic readers right they're reading our work and, and they're they understand what we're, we're what we're trying to get across to them and yeah, that's it from us for this episode. We'll we'll wrap it up there. Hopefully, next time we talk to you, uh, we'll have good news. If not, we'll we'll talk more about prospects and 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 what's going on with the lockout. Uh, but we'll we'll definitely get to you uh, next month at some point. Uh, this is on to Waveland. Thanks for listening. Uh, that was Brett Taylor, who hopefully isn't dealing with the house on fire. Uh, make sure you read his work at Bleacher Nation. Check out Patrick Mooney and my work, Sahadev Sharma, at The Athletic. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for listening. Take care, everyone.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.